Welcome to the PG Growth Planned Giving Podcast. here with you on the PG Growth Plan Giving Podcast. After our series of discussions with Ken Ramsey about the golden age of planned giving, I decided to go back into our archives and pull a discussion I had had with well-known international planned giving consultant Richard Radcliffe. Richard Radcliffe is from the UK and does most of his consulting there, but on a regular basis comes to North America to assist charities and also speak to various organizations that invite him. And in fact, PG Growth had him speak at two of our symposiums over the last few years. During our conversation, I asked Richard what he found through his research over the years, what the expectations, thoughts, feelings, and motivations of donors are. And that's very important when we think about the opportunity that Ken so wonderfully outlined in the last three podcasts. So here are some excerpts from that conversation that I had with Richard Radcliffe. These were previously posted on the PG Growth Tip of the Week podcast, which you can find on our website. But uh, if you want to have a quick listen to these, it's really interesting. And I think it does give insight as to how the decision-making process within the donor's mind is handled and what we as fundraisers need to know when engaging with them. I wish I really did know what had an effect and what doesn't. Um, and the trouble is, I think the aim, what we're trying to do is to make sure that we meet every day in a face-to-face uh, so that you can give the most powerful messages that you ever, ever want to give. But if you take a typical Canadian or maybe a typical Brit or Australian, um, actually the, the more in front of them you get, the more scared they can be because their lives are fragile, the finances are fragile, there's volatility within families. Uh, and in a way... Um, I think what we've got to make sure that happens is we get from the ineffectual, ineffective uh, method of communication, which just triggers a little bit of an interest, uh, which might be in the newsletter, uh, might be in an e-news, might be wrapped up into an annual report. But the real trouble is they trigger an interest and then nothing happens. How do you get from a newsletter to one-to-one in front of them or one-on-one and make sure that they actually do it without intruding on their privacy, without making it feel difficult, and without making it feel as if it has to be a massive gift, because we know that the number of gifts are going to go up because so many people are doing it. And I think it's this gentle journey of often asking questions that are really subtle and nice, rather than being in your face and asking for a legacy. So Mm. um, things like that we really want to talk about on the telephone, uh, to get a one-to-one meeting of really simple questions that... Questions like, did you know, by the way, that one in ten of the projects that we, uh, that you funded and made a success are actually funded by gifts and wills? Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, if you want to go to a lawyer, we can find a lawyer for you. We can give you the wording for the will. And it couldn't be e- more easily done in five minutes. Mm-hmm. So I think it's the questions that we ask donors, not only that trigger an interest, which are the stories that make you feel it's easy, it's inspirational, it's fantastic, you can make a difference. Uh, you'll be remembered for years and years and years. It's asking those questions that make them feel part of your uh, organization's family. 
uh, and can make a real difference in the long-term future. So I'm interested in really soft questions that eventually might lead to greater awareness of funding so that they then know the benefits of legacies, so that they then know that they can take action, and then it's followed up by telephone in a really soft way and then maybe a one-to-one. A lot of times in the North American context, major gifts and planned gifts are kind of brought together in terms of methodology. And one of the things we know about that methodology on the major gift side is calling, visiting, moving forward. And a lot of times those metrics, Mm. measures, KPIs, lots of different terms for it, um, are put onto the planned giving side of things. How do you feel seeing these programs, knowing what you know about donors, knowing what you know about the way donors actually go ahead and make a gift with some of those particular ways that we as practitioners are measured yeah well what we we found that i think even if if it's with a high net worth team a major donor team or whether it's in community fundraising it doesn't really make any difference what we measure success by has nothing to do with the number of intenders or inquirers or pledges so what we do is try and measure success through the level of activity which might not indicate any particular quality, but at least you're having the conversation. So we would measure the number of conversations, the number of articles. Um, We would look at making sure that the ask is made at the right time. So for a major donor, it may be after the second gift or a refusal of a second gift. Um, But we would measure it on the amount of activity rather than the outcome, because the outcome just cannot be guaranteed. Um, So this is where it gets quite difficult, because we find that if you measure on... Let's say you've got a member of the major donor team who's trying to get 10 pledges over the next year. They'll probably create a false environment by saying, well, I've had 10 conversations, they're all pledges, and I've hit my target, that's absolutely brilliant, which is actually a load of whatever you like to call it in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) So what we try and do, and it's also quite demotivational if they don't get those 10 pledges in the year. So all we're saying is have a conversation. If you can have 10 conversations, brilliant. Regardless of the outcome, you've given that person the freedom of choice to do what they want, but you'll get used to talking about them. And the more you talk about them, the more used you get to do it, and therefore you do it better. The last point that Richard discussed was the notion that this decision is entirely in the donor's hands, and they wish the right to choose. And that means that we have to give them information. We have to motivate them. We have to inspire them. We have to let them know how easy it is to create the gift. But we have to also understand that the donor is in control of the creation of the gift. And it's not every day that they get up and go to their lawyer to change their will. I think donors want the freedom of choice to do what they want. And I think the real problem is, can we really influence any of their decisions at all? Now, I think we can if we get the stories right. But really what donors want is the choice to leave a legacy if they want to, the choice to respond to the charity if they want to. Um, They need to have the action made simple as possible because we just don't every Saturday or Monday morning wake up and think, I'm going to change my will. Interesting ideas and thoughts from Richard Radcliffe, one of the world's most preeminent playing giving consultants and authorities. His research is widely read. And it's something that all of us as fundraisers working in plan giving should consider giving thought to. Again, if you have any questions or any thoughts or comments, please feel free to contact me. My email address is ed at pggrowth.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.